3: It happened. We've done it. The purified air of Dow 20,000 has been broken. We're there. Sweet. 30 stocks, and you probably can't name 10 of, have reached Dow 20,000. Where were you when the Dow hit 20,000? Will you remember this day forever and ever and ever? Probably not, is my guess. Woohoo! Fireworks! Get out the six shooters. Bang, 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 bang. Um, It doesn't mean much to long-term investors. And yet, everywhere you're going to turn today, we're going to talk about Dow 20,000. Dow breaks 20,000 for the first time. How did Trump help it? Do we blame him or not? As little orphan Annie once said, we've got high hopes that we're going to be able to hold this, that we're going to be able to say the valuation's not crazy. So business-friendly Donald Trump, you're fired. That's not true. Um, Help the Dow crack the $20,000 milestone because he's business-friendly. And we kind of said... Let's turn our eye to rationality. Let's turn our our head and say, evaluations don't mean a lot, or we're not freaked out about Russia, or we're not freaked out about Brexit, or we're not freaked out about high interest rates. And let's just do it. (coughs) So since the election day closed, where were you on the day that the elections ended? The Dow's up 9%. So for you freaks out there who run commercials on the station, who say, The Dow is about to crash, and you're going to lose your retirement. We're up 9% since election Day. We're at an all-time high.
1: The Dow is the most dangerous place for your money to be.
3: People are sick. People are twisted. People are so greedy that they want a a nicer house that they have to go out and and trash the markets, whereas the markets go up 7 out of 10 years. Um, All-time highs are nothing new. They're normal. Now, does it mean we go like uh, Zippy the Late Night Chimp? We're always going higher, higher, higher. Are we going to have our chimp go from roller skates to a rocket to the moon? Probably not. I know you're saying, what is he smoking? (laughs) Why is there a monkey on roller skates and on a rocket to the moon? (laughs) Say what? So stronger U.S. economic data and optimism um, make people feel good. So not only we pushed the Dow higher, but we've pushed other major indices and small caps higher um, all in the same time. So, you know, if you're worried about the world, then there's a place to hide in the small cap stocks. If you're worried um, that you're going to miss, you know, long term opportunities on dips, then there's things like the SP 500. So, risk factors are out there, and I'm, there's going to be a day. Because trust me, when you do this for 20 years, there's going to be days when the markets are all time lows. Not all-time lows. Um, they're at multi-year lows. Uh, all-time lows would be zero, right? And that's never once happened. But I do get sick, and I do get tired of people who are like, oh, uh, you should buy real estate because I've got it. And if they had their truth filter on, they would say, because I get big commissions whenever you make them whenever you do this. Um, because you're helping me before you help yourself. They... I just I, I'm just tired of those people. So they want to get on this show on, at times and I won't let them, so just know that that I protect you from, from silliness. <clears throat> Risk factors out there. They they're out there. You know, now some of you know Trump's proposals are gonna have to be like one time inoculation shots. Um corporate tax cuts. And it's gonna be like, Sweet, I feel strong But that's gonna be a one time thing repatriation of cash overseas. We're going to get a huge big, big bang out of it. And who doesn't like a big, big bang? Um, That reminds me of my favorite song. Big bangity, big bangity, big bang, big bang. Um, I know you're saying that's not really a song. You're just making that up. Deregulation, infrastructure spending. There's things out there that are nice, nice like rice, um, which give investors hope for rising corporate earnings. A lot of it's going to be one-time things. So, I'm not cocky enough to say, like, hey, we're going to be sitting on all-time highs um, forever and ever and ever. I'm going to say that the market's based on capitalism. Capitalism tends to work. Um, Not for each and every company out there, but for a market and for a society, it tends to work. Capitalism, um, you know, it's not quite like Tinder, where only the beautiful get swiped, or only the people who pay $2.99 get put in front of everyone. Capitalism works. If you work hard, you will succeed is the idea, and when you don't, you fire people and you get thin again. And you try to, you know, go back and to refigure things out. So the Dow components are considerably less industrial than they used to be. When you hear of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, there's that third word in there, industrial. So there's names like Apple that are in it. Um, J.P. Morgan Chase, ExxonMobil, Chevron. So all of these companies would benefit in some way, shape, or form. Apple would benefit from bringing cash back home. $216 billion they have parked overseas right now. Uh, Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan would benefit from looser financial regulations. ExxonMobil and Chevron would get a big boost from easier energy production rules. You know, the North Dakota moth, watch out because we're coming for you. So it says ExxonMobil and Chevron, if we're deregulated, we don't really care about you. If we're regulated, we have to do study after study to prove that we'll move your homeland somewhere. Now, again, I'm not making fun of this. I'm just telling you this is what we're working with. Caterpillar and Boeing would see big benefits from infrastructure spending. Income tax cuts would push consumer money to Walt Disney, Nike, and and McDonald's. Um, And all these are Trump kind of proposals, time after time. Sometime you picture me. Um, I'm walking too far ahead. Uh,
1: yeah, you my never, sister ever ever have a
3: career in singing. Yeah, my sister was one of those fat kids who tried to do dance and ballerina, and uh, I heard time after time a little bit too often. Which she turned out beautiful for the record. I'm not calling my sister fat, but which kid she was a little bit on the <laughs> porky side. Um, and watching this ballerina um, ballet shows as a three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old was, was brutal. But she's a lovely woman now. So key Republicans and Democrats in Congress, you know, um, next couple of weeks are going to say, is the dollar of 20000 worth it? Did we go there for a reason? Or was it unreasonable? And these are things that we're going to have to look at. So... Um, and these are things we're gonna have to deal with but for now we are down 20,000 um, Should we get down 19,000 matters lives no of course not so you're seeing oil at $52 a barrel You're seeing gold and silver pull back as the dollar gets stronger overseas 10-year Treasury sits at 2.5 percent a lot to digest a lot to work off here, so Don't get too excited. Don't get too crazy. Just know that, hey, we did it. Um, For the people out there who are naysayers, you're going to get what you deserve in time. Quit trying to take money from people and scare them. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more.
1: 516-1220 That's 800-516-1220 Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW I'm
3: Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing and more. Boy, there's a lot of Donald Trump in the market today. As far as headlines and as far as stories go, Trump to make Supreme Court pick a week from Thursday. This is a big one. This is something that has people in, you know, huffing a puff. President Donald Trump has set a date for when he's going to seek someone to fill that open seat for the Supreme Court. It's going to be the seat that's been vacated um, for basically a year now, since Antonine Scalia, a hero of the right, passed away last February. So Barack Obama sought to fill the vacancy, um, but that got shut down pretty quickly. So... Who's going to be nominated now, how old they are, are going to be a lot of, you know, parts of debate. And I think a lot of people in their head will think, you know, where does the Supreme Court stand? Five versus four, right versus left, um, Roe versus Wade. And you're going to hear a lot of people talk about that um, in the coming days. You're talking about Dow 20,000 a day, you're talking about tax reform, you're talking about... Trump making a move on an executive order on U.S.-Mexico border wall. Um, Now, again, an executive order is kind of like me saying right now, today, I want to have lunch. Does anyone care if I have lunch? Will it actually happen? Will you make it happen? No one knows. Let's bring in Tony Mendez and talk a little bit of real estate, a little Bay Area real estate to take our mind off that Dow 20,000 heaven that we're in. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's done a refi for me, a refi or two, and an original mortgage or two for me. So he's my go-to guy when it comes to lending. Let's talk a little portfolio lending, Mr. Mendez. What's the word portfolio lending mean? Like, what, What's the concept here?
4: Well, portfolio lender is basically a lender that's going to lend you a mortgage. Okay. And a new money, and they're going to keep it on their books. They're probably not going to sell it to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. Okay. But what it also allows them to do is kind of go out of the box and, and give you different kind of guidelines um that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac won't allow. The downside is is that they're limited on the products that that they offer you. They're going to be a little bit more risky, like usually an arm and they sometimes can have prepayment penalties on it, but it it it, it I think portfolio lenders have a great place in the market. They're picking up the slack that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are are um, that, that they can't handle. Um And it's a necessity, and I think it is leading towards the privatization of mortgages, and I think that it's kind of, you know, they're feeling it out, and I think there are are ways for lenders to make money this way and help the society in the same uh, fashion. Uh, But there are so many different kinds of portfolio products and and guidelines that are different than Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. They do higher uh, calculations on asset depletions condos that aren't warrantable, foreign nationals, pledged assets. Pledged assets are really interesting. You can actually have assets in your bank, move them to the bank that you're going to get the money from, and they count that towards your down payment, but you don't actually have to spend the money. It's called pledged assets. So you can put 20% down, but only put really 10% down and put the 10% in their bank. Um, You do self-employed for less than two years, high debt ratios, uh, recently listed properties. I mean, there's a long, long list. Uh, of reasons why portfolio lenders work in the industry right now. Now,
3: portfolio lending, um, one of the things that you brought up is that they kind of pick up slack that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac can't cover. In the Bay Area, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac typically can't cover necessarily um, the Jumbo Homes. I mean, there's some really expensive homes here that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac just say, you know what, that's not our cup of tea. Right, a
4: Jumbo loan is essentially a uh, portfolio loan. Okay, it, it's an investor that's that have set their guidelines typically close to what Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, um, is doing, and we're not too far off of what Fannie and Freddie are doing. Okay, when we're in portfolio, or jumbo. Um, we're just looking at different ways to loan people the money at these different for these different scenarios, and that's where they really pick up the slack. Now what else do we need to know about portfolio lending? And do we even need to know or you just magically going to get it loan? It's different alone? than private money. Okay. Um, private money is where you basically don't even show credit, you don't show income, you don't show, well, you do show assets, but you show more of a story, um, and it's more equity based than it is, um, than it is credit based but portfolio lending is still going to follow the same kind of guidelines where you need a good credit score you need to have income you still have to qualify under the ratios uh, that they offer but you, you when going into a type of loan like this you have to understand that you you they're they're putting you in a cycle they're, okay. they're putting you in a cycle just like a bad credit kind of cycle where you're buying a car and you go back and you buy another car and, you, and you're always at the higher interest rate. You're just at a different kind of program. And some of the products that they offer are actually lower rates than you can get through Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, but, again, they're riskier. So it's not for everybody. It's interesting because
3: I had a conversation recently at one of my events where someone's like, I want to buy a rental property for retirement. I'm like, okay, what I need to explain to you is that that's – Riskier than buying a real estate investment trust. I would rather you look at a REIT that's publicly traded like an Avalon Bay and then you're buying rental properties in San Francisco.
4: Right. Free and clear. 100 shares is 100 shares. A lot of investors, now that person may buy one and eventually end up with 10. Um, There's some rules that say you you, you can't buy more than 10 properties on your credit, but some portfolio lenders allow that. So it is a tool that investors use as well. It's interesting to note because uh, I had to convince the guy that
3: Having a retirement property is a risk in mm-hmm. retirement if you lose the uh the tenant. If rates go up in the next ten years, which I'm guessing mortgage rates go up in the next ten years,
4: then so the value guess.
3: right then the valuation of what someone's gonna be able to afford is probably less because we're more how much can we afford centric than we are interest rate centric. Um
4: and the guy just looked at me with like glass
3: in his eyes. It was kinda of sad that he just wanted me to agree well, with that's him. because
4: most of what he's hearing is that real estate's the end to your real estate problem or your real retirement problems. It's yeah. the best way and fastest way to get to retirement and make money.
3: You can find Tony Mendez, thank you, at bayareloansource.com. It's bayareloansource.com. Like I said, he's done numerous loans for me. He gets the job done. It's pretty thorough, it's a process. So know that going in that you want to borrow money these days or refinance money, it's going to cost you some time and effort. So you can find him at bayareloansource.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Boeing's profits are soaring, but not so much due to military spending. A lot of little moving parts when we talk about investing. Boeing is part of the Dow Jones Industrial Average 30. It's earnings season right now, and the market is cracked above that 20000 glass ceiling, so to speak. Am I excited? Not really. Um... Am I thrilled that, you know, my 401k plan is invested and I've got a good diversified portfolio? Oh, yeah. Um, I wish, you know, I would could flash forward 20 years in the future and I'm retiring right now, but that, that's not the case. Bob Evans is going to sell its restaurant business. Does that upset you? It doesn't upset me. The last time I saw Bob Evans farm restaurant, I was like, who eats there? Anyway, you can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's Rob Black Show. Don't forget, I always have seminars coming up. I have one coming up next month. You can find out more information. Sign up for it at robblackshow.com. in a jukebox midnight song. you
1: That's 800-516-1220 Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW
3: Welcome back in. Hello, hello. I'm your host, Rob Black, guiding you through the golden years into retirement. No, that's not what the show is about. The show is about getting into retirement. It's about creating wealth. It's about insurance. Don't overpay. Um, this show is about calling a spade a spade, and I don't know what that means. Uh, why would you call a spade a hoe, or why would you call a hoe a shovel? I don't know. Um, I try to look at the data, and I try to help you. I try to show you the economics, I try to show you, you know, the ideas of investing more being a good thing. History. Dow strikes 20,000 for the first time. Dun-da-da-da! Fireworks. Love. Passion. Now move on. Um, Now get realistic. It's time for investors to be defensive. It's time for you to look at your portfolio and go, what am I missing? Because you missed out 20,000, or maybe you didn't. Um, I continue to throw that out there at you. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton, talk a little financial planning and more. Welcome in, CFP Chad Burton. Chad, I get a lot of emails, a lot of phone calls on the confusion that is mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, no-load funds, ETFs, A shares, B shares, C shares. Let's demystify a little bit. What do we need to know?
2: Well, it's gotten harder because as fee-based financial planning – has come into play, and that's where what most people want to end up with because of the fiduciary aspect of it, F- knowing what you're paying for is important. So when people have A, B, C, there's even Z-share mutual funds out there. What's you What's a know Z-share? What you're uh, these C and Z-shares are kind of like these quasi-fee-based programs. So when, when advisors want to be fee-based, but they can't do it because of the current company that they work with, or they don't have the right licensing or whatever, they might use C-share or Z-share funds which they look like they're no-load because you don't pay anything to get into them, but right. their internal fees are often higher, um, and they often have kickback issues um, to the firms that you work with. So, you know, if you have an A share, a B share, a C share, or a Z share mutual fund, you're not in a no-load fund. You're in a loaded fund environment. A shares, you pay large sales charges up front in exchange for lower ongoing fees. So if you're investing less than 100000 a lot of times the, the front end load's on an A share, 5.75%. You got to get well more than that just to break even. Um, in a B share mutual fund, you don't pay anything going in, but your your money's often tied up right. for five to six years, and your fees are higher for five to six years, and then they eventually the fee structure drops down. So um, again, it's usually you end up paying more in a B share, so I don't really like them. Okay. C shares they're even higher than a B share in many cases, but the fees never drop, and they just pay the broker one percent every year. Um, and the problem with those ABC share and Z share funds is is you're tied to the fund family. Right. So if you want to go from uh, large cap growth to a large cap value, you can only do it inside that fund family. You can't go outside of it without getting tied up again or paying another commission. So it's just not the right way to go. You want to be in the no-load fund environment or ETF environment that's out there.
3: So typically I tell people you don't want to be in American funds. That's a fund family. You'd rather buy your funds at Fidelity or Vanguard or TD Ameritrade, where they're such big-volume houses, their fees are lower than anywhere else. Is that a statement that is wise, or, or am I...
2: Typically, like when it comes to American funds, though, That's a, it's been a pretty successful fund company, right. um, and they actually now have a share class for fee-based advisors called F-Shares. So you might see an F-Share fund pick. Um, I've used a fund in the past. I don't own any right now. But yeah, I mean, you can go... If you, if you want to know what is truly a no-load, you can look at, um, say, a TD Ameritrade or a Schwab's website and see what the no-transaction, no-load funds are okay. that are there. And you can see that they have no uh, front-end sales charge and no deferred sales charge. That way, you know you're in a no-load fund. But look, Rob, I mean, what most people should be doing for their first hundred to two hundred fifty thousand is just looking at total stock market index funds and the no-load. Like load the Wilshire 5000. Um, Wilshire 5000 is the whole market, right? But just um, there's like Vanguard has the Vipers, that's total stock market funds on both the international and domestic side, um, the no-load fund side, and, and you can go in and and get ETFs, which are exchange-traded funds, which are mutual funds that trade like stocks. Right. So you can look at the indexes. The internal fees are only about 0.08% per year, extremely, extremely low cost. And there's a whole, you know, like a TD Ameritrade, for example, there's 100 different ETFs you can buy without even a trading cost. So getting being able to invest in those types of funds is getting cheaper and cheaper.
3: Which is great, because that's one of the hindrances to, to performance. Mm-hmm. is uh making mistakes absolutely will hinder your performance, but cost will hinder your performance. So you could eliminate one of the variables that will hurt you and try to go
2: with as low fees as possible as far as the transactions and the funds you're choosing. Right. And that's why I say that, you know, indexing, I like both index and managed funds and individual stocks, but the way I tell people to start out is start off with the indexed approach. Because it's the lowest cost, the lowest tax issues that that you're gonna deal with. And especially when you're investing mostly in equities when you're younger and you don't need the bonds. As people get older, though, we worry about downside protection as much as upside potential. Right. So you can't just be in index funds, in my opinion, when you retire. With that said, you work for New Focus Financial, and people can find you at newfocusfinancial.com. we got about a minute left in conversation time. Is there anything else that we need to know about? Well, I guess where you look for the different types of funds, um, where I use my index funds and my index ETFs are for my large cap and my mid cap areas. Yeah. But if I'm going international emerging markets, I typically like to really do, dig in, do the research and find managed mutual funds. So, for example, you look at Japanese stock market right now and it's drastically underperformed the U.S. stock market. They have debt issues. They have an aging population. But there's specific companies in, in Japan that are doing very well. So you don't want just necessarily an index fund there. You'd want a, a manage, a manager with boots on the ground in that country. They know the currency issues. Um, same thing with China, Indonesia, uh, you know all the different places where emerging markets are, where you know two thirds of the economic growth probably over the next two t- two decades is going to come from.
3: Well, that about clears everything up in my mind. I'm not sure about in everyone's mind. <laughs> a shares, B shares, C shares. Which one should we choose? I think we hit it all there. I'm Rob Black. That's Chad Burton. You can find Chad Burton newfocusfinancial dot com. That's newfocusfinancial dot com. So, how much would a wall across Mexico and the United States border cost? The wall would have to be 40 feet tall. This is going to require you to do a little bit of math to get your paper and pen ready. 40 feet tall would be a 1,000 miles long. It would go 7 feet underground to prevent tunneling. It would need to be 10 inches thick. Probably going to use concrete made and sold in Mexico to build this wall. And based on concrete prices, you know, the wall alone would cost around about $700 million. Just the wall alone. So people are starting to estimate the cost to be somewhere between 15 billion and 25 billion. Will Mexico ever pay for said wall? It's going to be one of the conversations that they have today. And this brings up, all in all, you're just another brick in the wall. Uh, President Donald Trump is expected to sign that executive order today. Um, Highly unlikely that Mexico will pay for that wall. Mexican lawmakers have repeatedly said they want it. They've got a presidential election next year. And by talking about building a wall, the candidate that probably says, Screw you, America, is probably gonna win the candidate uh the presidency. Um and then suddenly we have not an enemy to the South, but it's definitely not someone who's willing to work with us. Um throw that out there and, you know, work with it as you will. It's tough following the Trump presidency on Wall Street, because it's got so many variables. I know you don't feel bad for me, but I feel a little bad for me. Um, it is what it is. So did you know that there's a dividend exchange-traded fund basically based on the dogs of the Dow? Ticker symbol is s Um Rather than restricting its search to 30 companies, the Dow Jones the F-stall average, though, the ETF collects the five highest-yielding stocks in each of the 10 sectors. So it's kind of a bastardization play um, on the dogs of the Dow. I like it. It's a great idea. So they find the highest paying dividend stocks on consumer discretionary energy, healthcare, telecommunications, etc. And it gives you broader diversification other than just buying the dogs of the Dow. Uh, The dogs of the Dow is that theory where you buy some of the weakest stocks last year or some of the highest, the weakest stocks that created the highest yields on the Dow Jones Industrial Average 30. Um, and that list, you know, they're great names. So the idea is that you're buying into a great company that didn't do well last year. And that's not offensive. It shouldn't be offensive. I hope it's not offensive. Um, so should you invest in the, of the Dow? So the Dow has hit 20000 dun, 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 dun. It's broken that wall. Next up, what will you get excited about? Twenty-one thousand, or nineteen thousand, or forty thousand? It's just a number, unless you own those stocks. Um, Cisco Systems is buying a tech startup before it IPOs. That's interesting to uh, pluck the company before they go public. Um, elsewhere out there, there's some stories today, but there's not a lot to be fair for it, fair to you. Um, I saw that Apple shares stock I own has cracked kind of not a new high, but breaking out above 120 where it's had a problem recently. And some people get excited about that. Like for the Dow to be at 20,000, people get excited because it's broken that barrier that it hasn't broken in a long time or ever. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. It's easy to get complacent about retirement planning when the stock market is soaring to record highs, but it's a marathon, not a sprint. To win the race, you need to take the right steps along the way. Learn winning strategies from me, Rob Black, and certified financial planner, Chad Burton, at an educational lunch event in Berkeley on February 9th. We'll cover the building blocks of a successful portfolio and break down the 2017 market outlook. You'll also learn how to transition your portfolio from the accumulation phase to the income phase, which accounts draw from first, how to minimize tax and retirement, social security strategies, and more, and get estate planning tips for 2017 from attorney Michelle Lerman. That's Thursday, February 9th, 11 a.m. lunch at the Berkeley Marina Doubletree. Sign up at newfocusfinancial.com for just $25 or free for KDOW listeners using the promo code RETIRE123. Hope to see you Thursday, February 9th, Once again, sign up at newfocusfinancial.com, free for KDOW listeners using promo code RETIRE123. 516-1220.
1: 516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
3: I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about? Wow. Down 20000 I remember when I was a little boy and the Dow was at 6,000. Don't get too nostalgic. A lot of what's happened is a move up that is based on potential Trump policies. And we kind of believe that they're going to happen in large part due to Congress being controlled by the Republicans. The reality is that some of it's being baked in the cake. And took, and I'll never have that recipe again. Um, when you bake it into the cake, you're kind of assuming best-case scenarios. You got to be careful, right? So, investing to me is about kind of windowing what possibly could happen, what possibly could go wrong, and maybe everything in the middle. You know. I saw today that California utilities propose a $1 billion electric vehicle push. Three of California's largest utilities, Southern California Edison, is amongst them. Um, Pacific Gas and Electric and SDG&E are all going to try to get together some proposals to electrify the state's transportation sector. Uh, The utilities are saying that the projects will go a long way to reducing air pollution and greenhouse gas emissions. And you're talking about a pretty big infrastructure push there. You know, when Trump talks about spending, we're like, ooh, infrastructure, we drive stocks higher. But states and utilities are doing it as well. So just throwing that out there for you. Let's bring on CFP Chad Burton talk a little financial planning. Because um, it is down 20000 and my biggest piece of advice at this point in time for you is take a look at what you have. Don't celebrate today. Today, take a look at what you have so you know where you are in this rally. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton from New Focus Financial. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. I think you got this email, so I don't know the name on it, but it says, I have zero debt, I own a $300,000 condo outright. I want not exactly brag about that. <laughs> I have $210,000 in an IRA, $70,000 liquid, 8000 to invest per month. 8000 to invest per month. Goal is to air- guarantee income, 4000 per month for life, so that I can retire as soon as possible between the age of 40 and 50. I'm currently 34 years old. What do you recommend for me? How much are fees? Well, first of
2: all, the condo is probably in Stockton, so that's a great look. <laughs> great, great condo in Stockton. Be nice. Um, could all be, right. Could be free month. This, this email was interesting because... A lot going on. Well, there's a lot going on, and part of it is just the understanding of the, the time value of money, which is really important in terms of understanding how much you need to save for retirement. And the first concept that people need to get is inflation, because inflation is really, for the average retirement, that's kind of the boogeyman. You know, how, how much were my costs? Once I have a limited resource, which resource, which is my nest egg, how long is this money going to last? And inflation plays a big part in that. A 1% move in inflation means you have to draw more out of your portfolio, and if you have to sit and do the math, but trust me, if a 1% move up in inflation is more hurtful to a portfolio than a 1% move down in long-term growth rates, because one is a draw and one is a growth, so you have to do the math to figure it out, but look, this guy's saying I want, he's, he's making like $8,000 a month to invest now, right. and he's saying he only wants 4000 a month to live in retirement. If 8000 a month is what, 96000 a year, right? That's what he has left over to invest, yeah. Okay, that's pretty good. Right.
3: Yeah, it's a sizable chunk. He wants 4k a month in income, i.e., about fifty thousand dollars a year in income at age 50. Retiring at age 40 to 50, right. forty thousand dollars a year in income.
2: Well, the first you're thing not to think exactly about. a swinger. No. And and okay, so the value of money is yeah. cut in half every 18 years with inflation at yeah. normal rates. So the first math you have to do is say, okay, to get four thousand a month in today's dollars. At age fifty, he'll need eight thousand dollars a month to maintain whatever that four thousand he thinks is gonna buy him. Gotcha. Okay. So then he has to realize that whatever vehicles he's saved in are typically pre tax or there's embedded gains, and he has to pay Uncle Sam when he draws out. So then you have to say, okay, I actually need eleven thousand dollars a month to sell it out of my portfolio, pay taxes to net that eight grand. Yeah. Right? The next step you say, okay, that eleven thousand dollars a month, that means you need about one hundred and thirty seven thousand a year to live. OK, and so in the math is actually 11,429 equates to 137,143 a year to live. Now, at age 50, if you want your money to last till age 100 and you want to be able to make sure that you have the ability to draw a little bit more out each year for inflation at age 50, a 50 year old could only safely draw about three and a half percent a year out of the portfolio. They have to leave. And this is assuming about a six percent growth rate. They, have, they can only draw 3.5% out a year to live because they have to leave the other 2.5% or more that they get in growth in there for future, future inflation costs because you can draw out a certain amount each year and then it's going to increase every single year with inflation. So that person, to maintain that $137,143 a year that we just calculated, would need $3.9 million to be able to retire at age 50. And that said, you, you know... Think about that, he's and also thirty-three. He's putting away a hundred thousand a year. He ain't gonna hit the number. He well, he might, but the problem is, does he want to? Does he want yeah. that much of a drastic change? If he's a doctor making enough to save eight thousand dollars a month, yeah. does he really want that step down in the standard of living? Does he really realize the cost? And he's a high earner right now. I question like, put.
3: I don't want to take my foot off the gas too soon, right? Because when I do, I'm not going back to work. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you want that flexibility to be. So if you want to work, you can. If Once you I leave the high-profile career of AM radio, <laughs> getting back into it, it's $5. not going to be the easiest thing in the world because that job will have been replaced.
2: Yeah. Your voice will sound old. It'd be yeah, terrible. Yeah.
3: Trust me, there's plenty of old people on the station. <laughs> I will be young for another 30 years comparatively. Um, with that said... Also, like, what if he's like 45 and has a heart attack? And like, healthcare is going to be super expensive for him until the retirement years. Nice thing about working is, company covers your healthcare sometimes.
2: Well, you really got to think about what you're going to do in retirement. A lot of people think they want to retire at 50, and then they, what are you going to do every day? What's going to make you happy? And sometimes that's still working in some way, shape, or form, or volunteering or whatever it may be.